get a machine like X Factor, it's like it's 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 kind of like David and Goliath. It's an enormous giant machine. Every year, nearly 20 million people tune into the juggernaut that is X Factor. Thousands of people audition in the hope of becoming the next pop sensation. The show can be the key to a new life of music and fame. Uh, who have we got here? Uh, we're twins. I'm Edward. I'm John. And we're 17. And we're from Dublin. It's just like they win and you don't all the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Joe and John, how did I come in? I don't know, I heard nine o'clock. Oh, oh get away, God, no. Come on, everyone, if you know the words, sing along. Jedward became the pop phenomenon of late 2009. At the Late Late Toy Show in November, crowds of young fans waited to catch a glimpse of John and Edward. We love them, they're so cool. And they're awesome. They're amazing. They're great entertainers. Yeah. yeah. And they're Irish. so good at singing. And we're so annoyed we can't vote. Yeah. yeah. yeah if we, we could vote, they would have won. They're amazing. Oh, what have you got there? Uh, oh, we a letter. We have letter. a letter here. Vote yeah. wrote it and we're going to give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> we, love we love you. John and Edward, we love you. You're the best. Um, you made Ireland proud. Yeah. <laughs> I like you guys. Thank you. Okay, uh, this is very, very easy for me, guys. I'm going to say no. <laughs> For me, it's a yes. Sarah, yes or no? Go on, I'll give you a chance. I'll say yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. No, yes, yes. Away from? Okay, Louis, drum roll. (laughs) I'm saying yes. But John and Edward Grimes aren't the first Irish act to chase the X Factor dream. What's up, y'all? What's up, peeps? Do you remember Tabby Callaghan from Sligo? Hi, my name is Tabby Callaghan, and I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> Ick, yeah, I'm a musician. <laughs> it's Sunday night in Sligo Town. Tabby and some friends are playing in a local hotel. I, I got my first guitar when I was six, and... Um, I, you know, I've played all my life and um, I left school at 15 to be a musician. I went on to start Petronella at 16, played in Petronella till I was 21. Love, uh, you be he became right third in the first X Factor back in 2004. We arrived up with like uh, 1992 transit van full of stuff and the next thing we walk in and I see it's like Simon Cowell and Sharon Osbourne and I was kind of like, what the because I had no idea at the time this was the first time so we thought well we've driven up here we thought we might as well go in and see what happens and I went in and the band thing didn't work and then they asked me to come back myself and then I walked in and Sharon Osborne seemed to kind of kind of see something in me that you know could work for her and on the show and I guess it was just it kind of all worked at the time like you know Thank you. This show needs someone like you instead of all the clean cut guys going through. Well, I'm, I'm ready for it if, if you're ready to give me the chance, you know. All right, yeah. Good news is you're through to the next round. Congratulations. Yeah, you're through. Yeah. No Thank way. You. Thank you, guys. Okay, okay guys. Appreciate it, okay? Five years later, Tabby's back in Sligo. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll give this one a shot and see what happens. 
Driscoll. Um, I started off auditioning for Pop Stars, which would have been about seven or eight years ago now. Emma presents the children's programme Den Tots every day on RTE2 television. Back in 2001, she auditioned in the precursor to X Factor, Pop Stars, to be a member of the band Six didn't really think I'd get picked for the band five or six thousand showed up and I just went for the experience on the day and ended up having to leave college to go with the experience because I got offered the place in the band you're in the band you're on the team oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I think back to occasions where I'm in my sitting room and my mum's playing her record player her songs from the 60s and I'm behind the big uh, curtains she had in the sitting room and funny enough they were red curtains quite symbolic of being on the stage I was like okay mommy don't press play don't press play and I said okay go and then I'd tear open the curtains wide and, and out I'd go and dance around the sitting room and it's only those memories now that I'm piecing together going why did I never see it that this was where I was going to end up uh, my name's Owen Quigg and uh, I'm 15 years old and I'm from Northern Ireland in County Derry what brings you here today? well you know I've been singing since that, that size era and like I just wanted to come here today just to see if I was any good I'm feeling nervous and anxious because I want to be there I want to be up on a stage in front of thousands of people with light shining down Owen was a finalist in X Factor 2008 like John and Edward he took a break from school to take part in the show that's my life good luck right? that was probably one of the best times of my life meeting the people and you know singing and you know doing what I wanted to do every week the X Factor experience took Tabby, Emma and Owen on different paths. John and Edward are at the beginning of their journey. They are the biggest story on the show. They're already household names all across the UK. Every tabloid newspaper has them on the front cover. Every magazine is looking for them. All the broadsheets are talking about them. They're on all the news programmes. There are phone-in debates right across England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. And it's all about Jedward. Everybody loves them. The only topic in school at the moment is Jedward. So. My name is Aaron. Robert. Are you two twins? Yeah. How old are you? Eight. Eight. I like your hair. Tell me a little bit about it. And my brother did it. We've got blonde hair and it's spiked up very high. And how did you get it to stay up? Uh, well, we used the hairspray. It's a Jedward? Yeah. yeah. Good morning, Grafton Barbers. Hi, you want to make an appointment? Yeah, sure. And the amount of people coming in and looking for it now, and it's just, it's snowballed. It's snowballed so much. It's not a hairstyle, I have to be honest with you, I would have thought would have kicked off and uh, I was so wrong it's, it's gone mad it's gone Jedward mania <laughs> do you know what I mean it's gone mad how quickly did all the attention 
start focusing on you? It was it was quite immediate, which was shocking to us because um, we had nothing to really learn from apart from, say, Hearsay. Um, they were the only other pop stars programme we had ever seen. There was no Pop Idol, no X Factor, no American Idol, no Britain's Got Talent. So we were locked up in this house and when we were picked and training away and getting ready. But we had no idea of the hype outside. It was until your parents would ring you and say this and that and this and that are on the papers that it was until we actually went out to the public then and said that this is us as a band that we saw the phenomenon that was there and it, it was it was so immediate that it was really difficult for six people to just be catapulted into that situation so it's it's but an amazing one nonetheless never take it back guys why do you want to be pop stars we came to see all the ladies yeah Sharon and Danny who wouldn't want girls shouting your name all over the place going John <laughs> Edward whatever like I suppose it's every you know teenage 17 year old kid's dream to have loads of girls running after which is what happened and I was really lucky to have and you know it's still there because I went over to a gig in England last week and there was like 6,000 girls standing outside my hotel I couldn't get out and uh, so you know the female attention is still there I was in the show two weeks, right? And one night we went into a restaurant, and I'm sitting there with Sharon uh, Osborne and Ozzy, and I was just delighted because I was in this flashy restaurant. And next thing you know, uh, the guy from comes over to the table from Genesis, the guitar player, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I've seen you on that show, and da da da." And I got chatting. I end up speaking with him for two hours. Then, like the Duchess of York comes over, and and then um, later on that night, my uh, the guy who was in the show with Mark Hudson, he brings me down to this uh, launch of a book. He didn't tell me where he was bringing me, and the next thing I'm in, and I'm in chatting with Paul McCartney, having champagne with him, chatting away to him on first name basis, and that that was freaky, like you know, and uh, you know, um, <clears throat> there are sides to that, you know, like I got endorsed with Gibson from it. Um, I got to meet and work with some amazing people, you know. Um, I what I would say is from that show, I've seen bipolar sides of the business, you know, and they are bipolar. You're thick-skinned. However, you cannot, cannot defend that singing tonight, Louis. Sorry, it's all about a show. These are two young kids living their dream. They're having fun. The audience love them. Guys, they're energetic, they're entertaining, and they're exciting. This is what this is what the music business is all about. I meet kids everywhere. All they want to see is John and Edward. We sang in Phoenix Park when the Irish team came home. 120,000 people. I couldn't see the back of the crowd. It was literally like the the end of the sky was joined in with the people. There was that much of a crowd and performing in front of them with you know green, white, and gold painted all over your face and you know the Ireland flags waving and it was just the most unbelievable experience of my life to this day. And when we finished that gig, we had to immediately get in a bus, um, drive across town to the point, and we were actually on stage at Westlife that night in the point as well. So, I mean, that probably has to go down in history as probably one of the best days in my life. I just thought it was it's unbelievable. I would never in a million years take that back for anybody. Back outside the Late Late Show, the fans are still waiting. Like my new year's resolution is to be friends with John and Edward, and, and it's going to work. We're going to go to Lucan with a big sign saying we want John and yeah, Edward, and we're going to go to their house. I don't want them to be famous anymore, so then I can be their friend. <laughs> why do you, why do you think they'd be good friends? They're, so they're, and they're, so they're the so coolest stupid, people ever. Oh my god! Like, I want to go onto a Big Brother with them. Oh my god! Oh, I yes. love I'm going to Big Brother. I don't care. <laughs> do you think I get onto Big Brother? 
I'd love to come here now with all my fans. That's why I want to be a celebrity. I'm not going to lie. Really? I'd love just all my fans so here. I'd be like, oh, I love you all. Oh, why do you want to be a celebrity? Uh, so, like, close people love me, you know? Would you like to be famous? Yes. If you ever got I am going to be famous. What are you, you going to do? Like John uh, I am going to either be on Big Brother or I'm going to just be famous. I don't care. It is hard work and you are public property and there is a price to pay for being famous and you've got all this press intrusion and your family become public property as well and if you've done anything bad in your past someone's going to ring the papers trust me and tell I know that I mean these kids John Edward they were on the cover of Heat magazine last week very few people get the cover of Heat magazine already without having a record out but they are on the magazine because they're going to sell magazines the Sun, the Star, the Mirror love this group because they're news people are going to want people want to know more about them they want to know everything about their family now they want to know everything and that's the danger that's the problem your public property it was such a jump from being like a normal person going to college really enjoying my life and doing that to a point where you literally couldn't go outside the front door um, without having somebody with you um, you just you just absolutely couldn't go outside the door it, like to walk down the street with my mum it just became impossible you'd, you'd walk 10 minutes from your house and you'd meet so many people along the way that you eventually had to turn around and walk back home because you just couldn't do it. I had aunties and uncles that were practically stalked outside their, their jobs and everything by um, the press and people um, sitting out in the garden in my mom's house and she was like, she'd ne- never experienced anything like that in her life. So um, absolutely, they did have that. And I think your family become very thick-skinned very, very quickly and very protective of you. That went into kind of full overdrive, you know. I went to the NTAs, the Television Awards uh, in London, and I remember I was went up to our dressing room where we were kind of sitting in, and, and the guys from standers coming up to me. All right, Tavi, how's it going? And that was really freaky. That was kind of like, oh, I felt like I was kind of uh, in the Truman Show or something, you know. Um, it, it kind of because they have you insulated and wrapped in a bubble. There, you, you're living off in a little world. You don't really realize what's going on, you know. Um, so to walk down streets and people recognise you and people asking you for pictures and things like that takes a bit of getting used to, like, you know. Um, Did you mind the experience? I mean, what do you say? Ah, like, look, I'm a sociable person anyway. You know, I, I have no problem talking to people. Um, you know, but sometimes, like, I got into a bus once, or I got into a train, a tube one time, and in London, and I was in the middle of, like, these Chelsea fans going to a game. And Chelsea fans, like, as anyone will tell you, they're quite kind of kind of hooligan-y you know and um, I got on I had a big woolly hat on the next thing I heard one guy got is that fucking wanker tabby and they all started roaring abuse oh god I can't tell you like I just jumped off the train so there is that element to it like you know where like if you're going to become famous or well known you know you're going to attract some of that to you like it's part and parcel but it's uh, the whole main thing about that is to realize what it is like you know which is it's it's all it's like it's like the matrix or something it's all an illusion you know it's sunday 22nd of november the lord lucan pub is packed with john and edward supporters but the twins didn't get enough public votes tonight they're now singing to stay in the competition Charlie Ennis, manager of Lord Lucan. Uh, it's been crazy. Like we're, we're showing the X Factor. You know, we're going to be showing it till the very end, every Saturday and Sunday. I mean, you've seen the crowds in there tonight. Like 
there was twice as many here this week that there was last week. We've got t-shirts printed up. Um, they're all gone. we got about 200 t-shirts and all. Uh, about 100 baseball caps, 200 key rings, and everything's gone. And they're still looking for them. Can we have the manager, right? I am, yeah. Can we have the poster? Please. Come here. I, did, I didn't see it, right? Okay. What's I didn't see it. Um, can we have, like, the big one? Which big one? Like, no, one of them. No, no, can no. I have the one where they're standing, like, the... No. I've really loved you over the past few weeks. I really honestly have. Big kisses. I'm sad too if you go. But the act I'm going to have to send home tonight is going to be done with like it. Like, it's at the end of the I'm really upset. I, I don't even think I'm going to... Like, I actually can't even put to words how upset I am. Next week, I'm actually not going to be able to watch it because I'm going to be crying. And, like, in school, that's the only thing I do. I do all their dances for all the teachers. Is there going to be depression in school tomorrow? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely devastated. They didn't deserve to go home at all. As soon as the X Factor finishes on the night, like this program ends, the contract is finished, like with the X Factor, and we move on to like you know another management and stuff like that, and everyone moves on. They only do it while the program's on. I didn't even know we were getting a record deal from anyone because I was like whatever and stuff, and then I go phone them and says, oh I got signed by you know RCA Sony, and I was like, okay cool. I didn't even know Seven Cow was going to sign us or not. I knew he was going to sign. You know, he automatically signs a winner. Like, I didn't think he'd sign anyone else. They thought it would be successful because of me winning six shows in The X Factor. And it being so successful, they would make a quick buck out of it. And they did it the wrong way, and it flopped, and it flopped on them. And they were just like, right, that's it. You know, and it's not nice. But I think it sort of made me see as a person what it's all about. And, you know, it's I'm only I was only 16 at the time, but now I'm getting older and... You know, I'm learning every day and I'm writing my own songs and stuff and you never know. X Factor is now shown on TV in 19 different countries around the world. But each contestant on The X Factor is a tiny part of Simon Cowell's multi-million music and TV empire. We had number two number one singles, um, a top five album, number one in New Zealand and Norway, and I think number two in Sweden. Six disbanded in 2003. But we never got the opportunity basically to, to launch it in the UK, and I think that was our downfall towards the end, so eventually it came to an end because we just couldn't get that release in the UK, unfortunately. I was living with Sharon and Ozzy for about, I don't know, a couple of months after that. And um, oh, it was pretty cool. Like, yeah, it's pretty. You know, <clears throat> before the show started, I got a call on Tuesday saying Sharon wants you to fly over to LA tomorrow. She flew me over to LA on upper class. And next thing I'm sitting there and I get Liam Gallagher turns around. He's like, hey, man, I know your face. And next thing I ended up getting pissed with him and uh, Laz from Oasis and uh, Lemmy from Motorhead. Uh, we're all like, you know, we, well, he didn't drink actually, but. I ended up like you know drinking ourselves sober like on a plane and it was a really surreal freaky kind of experience um but anyway yeah i was um i went over to her house in la first and then just the show progressed on Sharon was kind of managing me doing stuff so i stayed there for a couple of months and i came back to ireland then and i did a couple of tv shows did a few bits and pieces and 
I um <clears throat> I just started gigging then, you know, I got back over to the UK and I started touring and gigging. Go see a shrink about it. Owen released his first album, titled Owen Quigg, in April 2009. The album didn't do as well as had been hoped, and was criticised heavily in reviews, with one reviewer claiming it was the worst album in the history of recorded sound. A few months later, Owen was dropped by RCA Records. I knew it was going to happen because we took 10 days in recording an album which was a disgrace and it was the only way Sony would do it and we didn't want to do it and it was like there was, it was either that or no album and you know we obviously wanted to record an album and you know it just we didn't have enough time it was rushing you know sometimes I had sore throats and I still had to sing and it just it was disgrace what happened and stuff and you know we knew it wouldn't happen you know what we got number one in Ireland that's you know that's amazing and stuff but it wasn't something I wanted to do what would you have preferred? I would have preferred to, you know, do it over a period of a year and let write my own songs like I'm doing now. And, you know, you know, I'd love to take the time out, but, you know, I was, like, young and naive and I was like, well, I really want an album and stuff. I was like a kid. And, you know, they messed about with it and we knew it was going to happen and it happened. And they wanted to get it done as quick as possible to, you know, strike while the iron's still hot, like, you know, the fame side, but... And the other thing was there wasn't enough promotion done as in towards radios and and you know, uh, going to do TV shows and stuff like that. There just wasn't enough, and nobody knew about it. And that's what you know came to its downfall. Nobody knew. Everyone still asked me when I'm gigging. So you're gonna bring out a song or what's the crack on? It's like, dude, I had an album out. And they're like, huh? When? And I was like, rest my case. We were into it. We were probably about six months into it. Um. It was going incredibly well in Ireland, um, and everything was going great. And then just to hear that the the single release was being put off by three months in the UK, you're disappointed, but you say, "Okay, it'll be done in three months." And then you hear it a second time that's been put off by three months. Then you start to go, "Hold on a second, what's going on here? This doesn't seem right. Why would you be wasting the publicity?" And effectively, um, as time went by and it was continuously not being released, um, it's less likely to happen then. So it became a very uh, real fact um, about six months in. But, I mean, we we stayed going for nearly two years because we enjoyed the success in Ireland and, and in other countries. But it was also t- always tainted by the fact that we were never going to take it further, and you know, which is disappointing. I ended up doing a single. Uh, look, I'm just going to be totally honest. I ended up doing a single, which I really had no choice in. It was called Number One. And um, it did really well, got the Irish charts, but... Uh, I had no choice at the time, like, you know, I had to release a single, you know, it was pre-recorded, everything was done, and um, it was a really hard time for me, because I got battered inside out by music critics, you know, I was, <clears throat> I was at the time a bit naive, and I wish I'd been a bit more stronger, and a bit, you know, kind of, you know, said, I'm not playing, you know, I'm not doing that shite, you know, but at the time, I just kind of did what I thought I had to do. It wasn't me, it wasn't what I was about, you know. I got about nine record deals and all of them fell through one after another. <laughs> That's what I had three years of it and I nearly had a nervous breakdown, to be honest. <laughs> it really got to me, like, you know. I can't judge you in the real world anymore. I have to judge you in Jedwood land, wherever that planet, wherever that planet exists. So if I kind of take myself there, I would say that was your best performance today. <laughs> um, Louis gave us as much as he could. 
but you get to a point where I mean he knocked he knocked on doors um, to get us an opportunity but then he had to stop knocking because to be fair at the back of it all it really was a lot of blame to Simon Cowell because he wouldn't release us from the contract so there's only so much Louis could do if he'd he got us two other record deals he got us one with, uh, with a German record company actually and he got us another deal with uh the person that looks after Take That who was within BMG we were signed to S Records within BMG with Simon Cowell so we couldn't even move from the like within BMG from record label to record label um, we were that tied into him so we had two deals which Louis had to turn down and then he eventually had to say what am I supposed to do here you know Simon won't release you from the books there's nothing I could do so that's ultimately what happened which is quite devastating it's a bit of music uh, music limbo land really and, and it happens an awful lot to be honest I'd say people will come out a bit more and more about it it shouldn't be happening I don't feel yeah 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 they're really innocent kids they're very naive and all they want to do is be pop stars there's nothing wrong with that and they love the Backstreet Boys and they love Britney and they love they asked Robbie Williams when they were on the show they asked Robbie to go to the birthday party you know and they said when Brit- when they did the Britney song they said to Cheryl afterwards I wonder was Britney watching it you know, they live in this pop bubble and you know, good for them you know, in a, in a world full of gloom and doom and everything that's going on, isn't it good that people are having a good time? I'm 28 now. I was 20, 23, going on 24 when I did it, yeah. You know what? You could be 45 years old going in there and still be just as naive, you know, because it's like everything, you're like a rabbit in the headlights, you know. You know, the only person you can trust is yourself and your family um, in that sort of industry, but you have to go along with things and get to know people. You know, it's it's a very corrupt industry. In what way do you mean? Like, you know, there's a lot, you know, you can say to your face, no, blah, blah, blah. And that's it, like, you know, it's all oh, happy, happy smile to your face. And if it, like, it doesn't turn out the way they said it would, then you don't see them again. So... You know, it is, it's pretty corrupt in its own way. And, you know, like, that's why the album didn't do as well as it did, because we had no time to record it, we had no promotion done, and, you know, it was a cert it was going to happen, and it's nothing like, I didn't just didn't want to do it at all, but it was like, either that or no album, and then, you know, obviously I wanted to record an album, it's anyone's dream, but it wasn't the way I really wanted to do it. Would you worry that they're building themselves up for something that may not happen ultimately? No, I wouldn't be worried because if nothing else happened in their whole life, this is the best thing that's ever happened to them. I can tell you uh, without any equivocations, I we certainly didn't make anywhere near the money that the guys now are making, which I have to be honest with you, it really fucking pisses me off. Because um, which guys now? Well, just like the the guys who do the show now. Like I mean, I read somewhere the other day that they're guaranteed a hundred thousand, you know, from the tours or whatever. I'm not going to say what it is, but you can trust me on this. It's depressingly less than that. And, and I remember thinking at the time, God, what a fucking shit deal, like, you know. Um, it, it's just like, 
they win and you don't all the way <laughs> you know what I mean you just fucking come out with price of a packet of fags and a pint of milk or whatever but it was it was quite frustrating you know I was 19 so it seems like quite a while ago now I'm 27 now um, but I felt like fully grown up for it fully ready for it um, but when I look back I think oh my god I was 19 I was a baby going for this show and um, you know to a certain degree you think you're prepared for it but you never are you're never you can never be prepared for that I don't feel I went from, you know, parties with Elton John and all these people, Ozzy and, you know, and all this stuff, you know, uh, to just, like, walk around Sligo Town. Just, like, just going, like, oh, my... Like, if you told me that, like, that lamp was an elephant, I, you know, I'd be like, oh, maybe it is, yeah. You know, because my head was just that messed up. Uh, I think that I was, like, 35,000 feet up there, and then I was, you know down where the fucking Titanic was, you know what I mean? Um, and I just, you know, I, 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 I couldn't get a grasp of where, where or who I was or what's going on, like, you know. I think the whole country believed, including myself and including my parents, believed that it was going to be a full success. Um, so when the rug was pulled out from under it, it was, it was quite difficult then. Where do you see yourselves in 15 years from now? Well, I see myself being older. <laughs> Where do you think they'll be in a year's time? I think they'll be in the music business. I think they could be in a panto, they could be on TV. Um, they'll definitely be doing something that they like. And that's important. I came back to Sligo. I just, I came back here probably a year ago and I burned out to be honest with you, you know. I came back here to really get my shit together and to... To, to finish my album you know and then I kind of fell into a really bad depression I just kind of uh, I just hit a brick wall um, I, I, I I just developed this fear and this anxiety of, of I'd had a couple of bad experiences and, and I'd been like a, a, I'd been a horse through all of it I just battled my way through it but eventually it caught up with me and I just got really fucking depressed and um I just I just went into a real downer and then I was trying to finish my album in the middle of that and it was just you know some mornings I get up and um, like uh, some mornings like I did the whole self help thing I've read every self help book there is from Tony Robbins The Universe and um, uh, really I just I just tried to battle my way through it and I, and I just came out the other end because you've given up your college you've given up your job um, you've gone off with this whole life where you don't have anonymity anymore so you can't really go in and try your best to work a regular job without getting hassle um, it's not that you don't want to work a regular job but it's just the grief and the hassle that you get and um, it, I mean I don't want to go down the negative routes things that happen because for every horrible thing that happened to me 20 nice things were said or happened so I'm not going to go down that route but yeah it definitely it definitely was difficult there's no doubt about it. You know, my family were were very um, very patient with me and, and, and supportive, I think. They were supportive as they could be, and given that they couldn't understand where it was at in my head, like, you know. That's a weird thing about coming out of an experience like that. Nobody can understand it, because you can't relate to anybody. If you have a bad day in work, you can go in there and talk to someone who's in your job, say, oh, I'm pissed off at this, I hate this, da-da-da, I know how you feel. I remember this one you know I went to a period where I couldn't speak to anybody nobody understood where I was coming from you know um, I, I, like <laughs> the ironic thing is I go to an airport I'd be in I'd, I'd be in Stan, Stansted or Heathrow and I'd be taking pictures with people stop me asking me to do pictures with them and sign autographs and da 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 and yet I wouldn't like I would like you know 
I wouldn't have the price of a coffee. <laughs> and I was so depressed, like, you know. And it's just, like, for me, I have to say, like, the only thing that's worked for me, getting just getting my heart and my soul back online is uh, is playing, like, you know, because when I, when I pick up a guitar, I plug it in, all the shit goes away and everything makes sense. I suppose you become you become quite reliant on your family. You go back to being grounded, um, and I think there was a, a period of a couple of months where I actually sat at home and I, and I had to figure out what I was going to do next. I had to think where where do I want to go? Where do I see myself going? What are my interests? Um, and focus my my head again and rely on your family and friends to help you to to refocus yourself and do it as quickly as possible is the thing because while you have some publicity you need to go with it but you do need to give yourself the time at the same time but you know um, which is a bit of a, a contradiction to just make sure you know the avenue you want to go try get that as quickly as you can and then when you have fully come to terms with that you know push every button you can to make that happen Still patiently waiting at the Late Late Show it was disappointment for the fans as each car that pulled up did not deliver John and Edward who were eventually brought in the back door Last year, it was Owen that they were waiting for. Yeah, I waited for Owen Quigg here for like hours. <laughs> and if Owen Quigg was on the late late, would you would you come no. back? Yeah. No. I think Chad would do the new Owen Quigg. I'm not even like they're way bigger than Owen Quigg. Like, what about life? Life now, like back in school, must be a bit of a change this time last year. Um, it is. Um, but you know, ever all the way through the show, I says, look, listen, you know. You're still going to be normal. I'm still normal. I'm still I'm still normal. Um, and I, I don't want to, you know, get ahead of myself and think I'm 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 somebody. Like I'm I'm just doing my job. This is my job now. Blah blah blah. And I think by saying that, you know, me going back to school, it's kept me grounded. And it like if I would have said, oh, I'm the best. I'm the man. Like, you know, I would have. I would have been very like, oh my god, I can't go back to school. I'm shocked. And I think with me being so grounded, the decision was pretty easy. I'm still gigging like I've been flat out gigging since the show I haven't stopped I'm turning on Christmas lights all in the country best of both words sort of weekend singing and then school on the weekdays Hi there I'm just getting ready to sing all about being a postman but I'm going to need a hat first to go with it aren't I? Yeah so I've got some hats um, I'm presenting on Den Tots and, and on the Den basically at the moment so I'm um, really enjoying it getting to do lots of musical uh, pieces with, with young kids as well which is really great Let me tell you the story about me It's the truth It's not a western or a biography It's a one-stop knock I've written 12 uh, in what I feel are um, the paramount songs I just feel in me songs I'm trying to be honest and I'm just trying to yeah, put my heart into what I'm doing and I, I feel people you know should I feel they'll be able to connect with the songs like you know and get a feeling from them and, and at the end of the day you can't do any more than that as a musician so I'm just going to try and push it steadily and slowly you know I, I've seen what happens when you speed everything up by 65,000 you know uh, so I just I don't want to go there again um, I'm also working on some of my own music I mean whether it'll ever see the light of day I don't know but I enjoy doing it I enjoy writing music uh, putting unusual melodies harmonies together um, so I'm kind of working on something at the moment and that's we'll see see where that goes but I don't know <laughs> After X Factor is singing that's it like is that what you're going to do? Yeah that's what I want to do but you know what my dream my actual dream would to be an actor like you know someone like like you know Tom Cruise or something that would be amazing you know not even as big as that like you know you 
you can star in movies along with unbelievable actors and you can work your way up I've always like wanted to be like a singer you know musician but I've always had a love for acting and drama and stuff like that as well okay do you do acting no I don't but we've got like we've done I've done school plays in the past and I've been two lead roles in singing and you know acting um yeah and you know everyone always says the West End in England but I don't know like Broadway in America sounds better Elvis Presley once said that in order to, to, to make it in, in this business, you know, ambition is like a dream without the V8 engine behind it to push it, you know. You need the engine behind you. If that engine's in front of you and not behind you, you can forget about it. In terms of like a machine like, like the X Factor, like it or load it, um, it's a leading force in, in the business now. Alright, gonna be on X Factor though. <laughs> Will we hear it? Will we hear it on the news or something? John and Edward will be taking part in the X Factor tour from February to April this year. Like Tabby, they're going to feature in an ITV2 documentary which will follow them for the next few months. It's been announced that the twins have a £90,000 one album contract with Sony, which had previously signed Owen Pig. The X Factor will be looking for new pop star hopefuls in autumn 2010. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other documentary on one productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.